Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today we've got a couple moves and shakeups in the EV industry that I really want to talk about. We also have a new Nintendo Switch, and we're also going to talk about iPadOS 15. But first, Andrew's back. Welcome I back. I am. I feel like I should be ripping my face off to show David's <laughs> face instead. That That's was his, amazing. His trademark intro is pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> he, he likes to appear for his intro on the podcast, but... We got Andrew back. What was uh, back. what was your last week like? I saw some crazy pictures you took. I probably had like one of the crazier weeks of my life last week because okay. I, I started off by Friday. We closed on a house, which is my oh, first right. time buying a house, Congrats. which is like, thank you. Thank you. Crazy. And then before even getting to move in, I we immediately left the next morning for Yosemite, which was... I don't think I can even like start to explain how beautiful it was. It was the craziest park I've ever been to. Just these like sheer granite walls that pop out of nowhere. Yeah. Altitude. We hiked 66 miles in six days. So averaged over 10 a day. I was exhausted. Um, Yeah, it was it was amazing. But like if I want to tie some tech into here. Of course, I did something that. Yeah. How did you bring tech to Yosemite National Park? Um. So I've talked previously about bringing different cameras to parks and what I think is the best. I think I've kind of landed on like the A6300 body being that perfect like size form and like form factor of bringing with you on long hikes while still taking like super high quality photos. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think a phone is probably almost your next best bet. And there are, uh, I'll explain in a second, but I brought this time the Fuji X100 Mark V, I believe it was. Um, Never used Fuji before. It's very new to me. David and Brandon taught me a few things before going out, like color profiles, and I was messing around with them. And it took some crazy photos, like really, really good photos. I posted them on Twitter. Um, I do have to say, though, as much fun as it was, what's cool is it's, you know, fixed lens. I don't have to bring lenses with me. Like those, like, really add up. We were, it was about 100 degrees out there. So I was bringing, I had a three liter bladder of water and two water bottles, and I was finishing that every day. Yeah. Um, so having that little nice light camera was really nice. And like I said, it took great pictures, fixed lens, no lenses. Awesome. My biggest issue with it was someone else in our group had an A6300. And every time I grabbed their camera to take pictures of them, the autofocus was just so nice and easy and simple and just nailed literally everything. And then I would go back to the Fuji and yeah, the Fuji autofocus is not as fast. Not it's not great. made to be fast exactly, though. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think my biggest issue with it was I really enjoyed looking through the viewfinder because of how bright it was. Mm-hmm. And I would tap to a focus on the screen in the area I knew I was about to frame where I wanted focus. And when I'd lift it up to my eye, either my like cheek or my nose would touch the screen and throw the autofocus on something uh. else. And every time I would pick it up, it would just like 
be looking at like the top right corner or something like that for focus. So I was trying to mess around with a couple different of the autofocus settings and nothing ever quite nailed what I wanted. Interesting. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be really upset that I'm like using autofocus. But yeah, I was going to say, it's, you know, you're taking a lot of pictures of rocks and trees yeah. and stuff that's not moving around too fast. It's not so. moving, but my thing is, is like, because the park is so big, it's really hard to get scale. So the majority of pictures I thought looked really good had people in them. So I was trying to catch a lot of candid photos. So it was at, like, we were moving pretty fast because you were out for six or seven yeah. hours at a time and you just want to like pull it up, snap the photo and right. just be get good. it. So, yeah. uh, so I missed the Sony. Having the like one by one comparison, switching to the other one yeah. made me just really, really appreciate it and made me, I think, solidify my favorite hiking camera is like a, Six, the 6000 series yeah i went on i probably have told this before but i went on a hike once with the hasselblad x1d and the 45 yeah. and it's like it is their smallest mirrorless camera mm -hmm. but it's a hasselblad so it's just big clunky weight and the slowest possible focus and i'm like i'm trying to just take a quick picture and then move on with the hike but like it's not a quick camera so no. was, I, I would not recommend anywhere near that camera for a hike. Yeah, it's not, I'll always remember, I took a video of you once trying to get a picture of a bee up on the roof with the Hasselblad when we yeah. first got it. Uh, not easy. It was not easy. Um, also because the plane of focus is like a oh my sliver goodness, of yeah. the, the diameter of a bee. It's pretty tough. Yeah, and you're like, when you're doing the really, really shallow depth of field and you're like, if you're out on a hike and it's bright, it's hard to see the screen, you're like, oh, nailed that. And then you get back and, and if you it. miss, you're, that photo's yeah sucks we gotta go back out eight miles and get that <laughs> yeah, photo again. Yeah, we gotta go back hiking tomorrow man um, so yeah it was a it was a ton of fun but i'm also glad to be back yeah glad to have you back thank you okay nintendo switch oled edition or whatever they're calling it new product yeah. is out um it's it seems like actually a pretty nice upgrade i just yeah. i'm not a switch user i've okay. used the playstations and the xboxes i've used my computers my mobile devices for gaming not a big switch gamer can you tell me if these upgrades for the Switch are actually worth what looks like a, what is it, a $50 increase in price, I think it is? Yeah. How does it look? Okay, I will say it looks like it is worth the price, but not worth the upgrade, if that makes sense. So if you already it, have a Switch, you, yeah. you shouldn't get this. Okay, that makes I sense. I wouldn't, or I personally wouldn't. I don't think the upgrade is enough. So here's the thing. It's an OLED screen. It's a little bigger. It goes from 6.2 to 7 inches. The thing is, is it's still 720 when you're using it. And although wow. you get a new dock, it's still only 1080 when you put it onto your TV. So I think there, I have seen a lot of rumors about a Switch Pro yeah. or something like that, mm -hmm. which if you're going to name something Pro, obviously you're not doing professional gaming on a Nintendo Switch. But the word Pro uh, sort of implies a couple things, like probably 4K output from the dock yeah. and maybe higher than a 720p screen, screen at well, 7 like inches. The portable version. Yeah, you'd yeah. want at least... 1080 maybe high refresh or something uh but it seems like the switch audience really doesn't care about that type of stuff switch switch is definitely interesting because most of nintendo games are like super cartoony and it doesn't yeah. really matter as much but i don't think anyone would complain if they still had 4k mario kart or 4k mario party or anything hmm. like that um yeah. i know i would be amped about it and there were rumors saying that they were gonna use some new nvidia chip i believe that would have 4k output through the dock um, but that, this is not it. So that makes me think, first of all, switch OLED is like the dumbest naming that's the scheme. Name. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the as whole far name. as we know, at least. Um, but that just feels kind of weird. They had the switch light, um, which is at 199. The regular switch is at 299. This is at 350. So I do think 
paying an extra 50 bucks for a slightly bigger screen oled obviously has its advantages like it's still going to look nicer despite still being 720 mm -hmm. um and then the dock is a little different there's a white version it has ethernet on it which i think is huge because before you had to use an adapter and yeah, it just had usb right yeah, yeah um yeah. which that's annoying like most people probably use their switch on wi-fi which if you're downloading a huge game that takes forever potentially um and it has like some small things like they said improved audio for tabletop stuff it seems like they're trying they're definitely trying to say like this new oled screen is better for the people who use it on the tabletop i've never been one of those people it's just um, it seems just like a little nicer switch yeah it's a little bit of a nicer it's only 50 switch. bucks more that's not bad if makes you sense. don't have one already right um okay. i kind of think the coolest thing about this potentially we haven't seen it yet is the switch price might go down which would be awesome imagine a switch at 250 Mm -hmm. um, I think what works great about that is to me the Switch is like a secondary gaming console I think if you are a if you're strictly into consoles PlayStation and Xbox are the way to go if you are like me I'm a PC gamer and to me the Switch is like I have friends over or I just want to lay down on the couch quickly but I don't want casual. to spend yeah, yeah, yeah. PlayStation money Right. so like a lot of Nintendo's games are much more casual I can lay, sit down I can play Mario Kart I don't have to get super into it and slam my keyboard and controller <laughs> or anything like that like yeah. that's why it's great to me a secondary console and as a secondary console cheaper price is always better and I don't care if it has 4k then exactly yeah so. the most the most fun I've ever had with a switch was also the most the same place that I've had the most fun with an iPad, which is on a plane. Oh, yeah. Or like in the back of a car, like in, in some sort of transport situation where mm -hmm. you have a very small space, then like a Switch is nice because it's oh, yeah. a small, like doesn't take up too much of your lap. Same deal with like a smaller iPad. Even like a bigger iPad is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, obviously an iPad is much more expensive. So you get uh, a couple games you like and the Switch can be a much better bargain than buying yeah. an ipad and getting some games for it so and the other huge thing about switch is like what makes it the most fun is the multiplayer aspect of it and a lot of that yep. has to do with if other people have switches so like especially with tabletop stuff they do a lot of different features where if you have multiple switches folded out on a table they can connect to each other and you can play different games mm -hmm. so putting that at a lower price just makes that way more accessible and able to use those features way more often so i i mean I know this was a, a storyline about the OLED switch, but I feel like it. if the switch price goes down, that's the biggest story here. Yeah. I have a hot take. Yeah. Every company is pretty bad in some way with naming. And Nintendo <laughs> just proved it with this one. Yeah. That's, so, it's a rough one. So I, first of all, this is called the Nintendo Switch OLED, which by itself is like not the worst. You get what Nintendo Switch is. Mm -hmm. This is the OLED version of it. Really, yep. it's just like a bigger, nicer screen with some extra features. But remember when the Switch Lite came out and yeah. it doesn't, you can't take the Joy-Cons yep. off, which it's means it doesn't, strictly portable. it doesn't switch into anything. Oh. It's not, the whole I've point of never Switch, put that together. right? It's a Switch. The whole yeah. point of Switch was like, I can take it off the dock and play handheld, or I can switch it into the dock, take the Joy-Cons <laughs> off and play it on a TV. That's what a Switch is. And this Switch Lite didn't let you do that at all, so it didn't really let you switch, and they just kept the same name. I'm so embarrassed that that I've never put I'm just that saying, together. Yeah, um, every what? every company has something dumb like this. Every company, no exceptions. Okay. That's my hot take. Here's uh my here's my suggestion for what they should have called this. Did right? I just thought of this? Okay. Uh, although for one reason it doesn't work is because you can also get the new dock in white, so this doesn't help with me. But mm -hmm. Switch Black. Switch. I was gonna say Switch Plus, but why black? 
Okay, so it's just a small naming change. It doesn't really imply that much has changed, but what's the biggest benefit of OLED? Black blacks. Yeah. It's a bigger screen. It's a. It's just a little bit more. I feel like everyone gets what plus is, and yeah. that's why I would have said plus. Like I, I think people plus. might care about the bigger screen more than the fact that it's OLED. I mean, the, the LCD wonder. is not that great. What I also haven't confirmed yet is if... It does say it does work with other Switch accessories like Joy-Con, but I can't tell if the footprint's any different because oh. the screen is bigger. I don't know if it just means the bezels are smaller I and therefore it's the same exact footprint. I, I kind so. of think so. Yeah. Um, okay. But you might have to use the new dock for it. It comes with the dock anyway, so I don't see why okay. that would make any difference. Um, yeah. 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 Switch Plus. There's my. I, I still say switch black. I was pretty proud of that. I'm kind That's of solid, solid that solid. you weren't I that impressed that. with it. I would take both of those over switch OLED. I think, yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of weirdly named products, the Taycan Turbo, which doesn't <laughs> have any turbos. That was a good segue, Marquez. That was pretty solid. I'll give you that. Thank you. Uh, so Porsche recalled Taycans over a sudden power loss problem. This was a headline I just saw this past week uh, with Porsche recalling its EV with a small number of cars reporting... Mm-hmm a power loss problem, which is obviously a big problem, and also the Audi e-tron GT, which is built on the same architecture, also had a small number of those problems, so mm-hmm. they're also going to be recalling. Um, but yeah, the the article just kind of reads like there's a small number of issues, and drivers reported this problem for a long time, and they've been aware of it and trying to fix it, and now you can bring it in to a Porsche dealership, and they will have to do a 60 to 90 minute software update to fix yeah. this thing and give you your car back. Uh, so essentially what's happening is the um, there's a t- smaller 12-volt battery in there that's specifically made to keep everything, keep parts of the car on when the car is turned off. I yeah. know that sounds kind of weird. All the accessories and stuff. Yeah, and the huge battery pack of the car mm-hmm. drives the car. There's a much smaller battery. Like every car has a small yeah, battery yeah. to run the instrument cluster and the always-on internet connection. Yeah, exactly. And to make sure like, like you know, you're, you can unlock your car when it's turned off or yep. else you'd never be able to get in. And what was happening was if that battery died, at any point, some so I guess if it got low enough and then you started driving and it died while you were driving, it would sh- in some cases shut off the larger battery pack. Wow. So you were just, now you just had nothing. And I mean, this is, sounds not that different from like, do you remember when you're, ha- you had steering issues, but that's still something powering off while you're driving and yeah. anything powering off while you're driving is terrifying. It's not great. Um, yeah. I've had power steering. I once knocked my keys in my car going down a hill and, and turned the car off and lost power steering and wow. like had to go down a hill without it and it was terrifying. Yeah, uh, yeah. you never want that, especially when it's an easily fixable bug. So I'm glad mm-hmm. they're fixing it. Uh, it says Porsche sold around 43,000 Taycans, which is maybe the most interesting I th- thing I learned from this article because I'm trying to think about all the scale and size of all these different competitors and mm-hmm. EVs. Um, and they claim it only affects a very small number of users and I, I believe that because this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, newer newer cars being manufactured will have the software update already yeah. and it won't have the problem. I always think like what if this issue had happened to a different company? Like if you reframe this headline, uh insert company here is recalling their car over a sudden power loss problem. Obviously, if you replace Tesla with that, it's a huge headline. What if you replace like Ford and some random like hundred thousand dollar Ford? What is a what You're is a high end Ford? EV one or like a any 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 random Ford car? Like does anybody even uh, care? Uh, Does it even make headlines at all? Do you know what's it funny? It's like right now, EV is clearly a thing. I do remember a long time. Do you remember 
Man, this is a very... I remember doing a Kern event in like fifth grade about this. Do you remember Firestone tires yeah. having a huge issue? Like, I feel, I do feel like at certain points when there are things that affect driving, which is like as safe as it is, is also something that's always kind of skirting the line of death, which is kind of terrifying. But like when anything happens when things are drivers, it generally makes some headline. Mm-hmm. I think EV though definitely will always be the bigger headline these days because it's more new. It's more, I hate to say it, but there's clearly more like fear mongering based on it because people don't want to switch to EV yet. It has the most skepticism too, right? For sure. People don't know about EVs Mm -hmm. in a lot of places. So when they're looking into or learning about EVs, they're trying to figure out, okay, well, seems like there's these pros. What are the cons? What's the catch? Like, let me figure out what EVs are all about. So headlines about the most popular EVs are the most popular headlines. Yeah. Uh, it happens all the time. I but, think, it, it, like you said, with Porsche right now, people who are buying take-ins probably have, hopefully, decent income, and they're kind of like, they're willing to take that step into EV a little more, whereas mm-hmm. if this were to happen to the F-150 right out the gate, I think it would be very detrimental to a lot of people switching to EV. You're talking about the Lightning. The, the Lightning, the Lightning, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I see that affecting more people. That's one where, like, I... I shouldn't give any company benefit of the doubt in anything. I should mm-hmm. always just use it and review oh, it. Sure. But I feel like the F-150 Lightning is maybe the best example of an EV that a company can't afford to screw up. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, they're aware of that. They like told us that. Ford, yeah. and we'll talk more about like transitioning to EVs as companies later, but Ford really wants to make a great electric F-150 because they've attached the name to it, because they've attached this heritage to it, and they're they're banking on people buying it and switching and starting this thing where they can eventually sell more and more electric cars and be the company that successfully transitions. Uh, So their first one having any sort of issues, they're going to be doubling down right – they're going to be on top of it. They're going to make sure um, that they don't have any of these problems. So, you know, I hope to see it turn out that way. I hope they don't have any problems, but – yeah, as far as giving benefit of the doubt, I feel like that's one where we really expect to see Ford go all out. So that's I'm looking forward to that. For sure. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. we got to come back and talk about Canada banning gas cars. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right. Welcome back. We got to talk about this new headline. There is a lot actually to unpack in this one very dense headline. So I'm going to just read the headline and then we can break it down. Yeah. So here's the headline. Canada to ban sale of new fuel powered cars and light trucks 
from 2035. Okay. So Canada's putting their foot down. They're saying no more gas cars and light truck sales in Canada starting in 2035. So that's what, 14 years from now? Yeah, it's not that far away. So there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot here. Um, let's start with Canada. <laughs> For sure. Shout out to Canada. Lots of great Canadian friends on the internet. Um, yeah, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of countries that will just outright ban something as a whole like that, but Canada is one of them and they'll do that. I feel like they're neighbors down here in the US. It would never happen that way, but there's lots of lots of companies you will see building up to to committing to EVs. Exactly. Like Ford or Audi or whoever will say, we're going to offer a bunch of EVs by this date. And yeah, it's kind of just up to how committed they want to be mm -hmm. or how far they think they can get. Um, so Canada is just straight up saying, like as a committing to the environment, like we will not have any more sales of, of gas cars. So that brings us to the second thing, banning sales. Yes. Because we have to double check on this. They're not banning the manufacture of, of certain things. You'll still no, be allowed yeah. to uh, manufacture gas cars anywhere. You'll still be allowed to have all the same economics. But starting when this takes place in 2035, um, you will not be able to buy a new gas car or light truck in 2035. So that's one thing even there I'm trying to figure out. I didn't see it in the article, but I'm assuming it's new. I'm assuming yes. they're not going to destroy new. Oh, it does say, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you will, you will, I guess, be able to buy a used gas car because it was guess, already yeah. made. You can buy someone else's car from someone, but as far as manufacturers that are selling their new cars in Canada, if they want to sell any car in Canada, it cannot be fuel powered. Yeah. That's basically it has, it has zero emissions. Yeah. So if you're Toyota and you want to ship cars over to North America, you better have an electric version to sell to Canada. Otherwise, you're not selling any to any Canadians. Yeah. Basically. I guess the only other, there's like, is hydrogen powered still like really a thing? We haven't. Uh, it yeah. just has to have zero emissions. Like sure. we're going to say EV for the rest of this because that's what we assume. Yeah. There could be some crazy new, could I doubt it. Fuel cell, you never know, but it just has to be zero emissions for the sake of clearly protecting climate change. That's yeah. safe. Okay. Then the next is actually kind of key, cars and light trucks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's something to take note of because I, I had to look up the definition of light trucks and that includes like obviously the F-150s of the world, but also like lots of other trucks people use for work yeah. that loops those in too. So it's not just recreational cars people are buying. It's yeah. also when people are forced to upgrade their fleets of trucks for their light duty, you know, construction or whatever jobs, they are going to have to start to buy electric versions by 2035. So that loops yeah. in light trucks as well. I wonder how intense that gets because like my guess, so the first thing I think of when I think light truck, I think of a truck that doesn't have to tow pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, and and like I totally get that because I don't think we're at the mileage in EVs or, you know, maybe we will be in 14 years, but it's hard to make that pledge now. That's... Towing is the big thing that I do think probably gas cars are, are benefiting in now because when you have to tow things at a certain time, in a certain time period, like that charging does actually add up. So yeah. I'm assuming that's why it says light trucks. I don't know where that lands in the fleet section, though. How many mm -hmm. loopholes there will be of people being like, you yeah. know, yeah, I just have a smaller F-150, but I tow stuff, so I need a gas-powered So blah, blah, this, blah. I feel like that brings me to the last part of the headline, which is 2035. Yeah. There will be different leadership probably by 2035. There will be lots of advancements in tech by 2035. Mm -hmm. There will just be a different landscape in Canada and its surrounding neighbors by 2035. For sure. So... It's sort of this like really far out target 
that we think makes sense. Actually, I'll get to the reactions in a second, mm -hmm. but I think makes a lot of sense to say, okay, we're just gonna set this target out so you guys all know, everybody in Canada, you all know, by 2035, don't plan on actually having the ability to buy a gas car starting in this year. Mm -hmm. um, couple deeper thoughts on that. One, today and probably forever, Canada's cold. <laughs> and so yeah. electric cars in Canada specifically have a harder time in the winter because the range is less because mm -hmm. you have to heat up the battery. And that's been something people in the Northeast deal with. They pretty much only sell all-wheel drive cars in Canada. No one wants rear-wheel drive in Canada because it snows out there. You need Makes a certain sense. type of car. And so for that reason, a lot of Canadians have avoided EVs because they have much worse range in the winter. Yeah, I think I, I actually wrote something down that it's only like 3% of cars sold in Canada yeah. are EV. Yeah, so if you're thinking about, and that's like, you know, 3% sounds very small, but that's still like three out of every 100 cars sold that are new are electric. That's like, that's it's pretty low, but it's not bad. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking like, all right, so by 2035, 14 years from now, will the tech be good enough? I think so. But will the tech be good enough that that range drop off in the winter is no longer a concern? I hope so. But I just want to talk about the two different reactions that I've seen to this headline. Yeah. So again, the headline is Canada banning the sale of new fuel powered cars and light trucks by 2035. Uh, the two different reactions I've seen are one, 2035 is way too late. And the other is huh. 2035 is way too early. That's the yeah. two very different reactions I've seen. Um, I don't know if I fall in one camp or the other. I think this is a pretty reasonable like I, target if I'm looking at I agree at. with you completely. I think this is a great headline, mm -hmm. uh, a very a, a perfect headline for people who for journalists and, and news websites pretty much like this is going to get reactions because of that. People yeah. are looking at this at total extremes. The sale of new, I wish I had a statistic here, but like new cars are, they're sold, they sell a lot. But if you look at how many people buy used cars because mm -hmm. they're cheaper and they're still super reliable, like the used sale market is insane. Yeah. So there's still going to be so many gas cars sold in 2035 in Canada as long as all this stays there. So with all the EVs increasing, we're going to see a lot less gas cars, but there are still going to be a ton of gas cars. Yeah. And that's just for regular consumers too. Yeah. And so the, the, the line right under the headline is Canada will ban the sale of fuel burning cars and new light duty trucks from 2035 in an effort to reach net zero emissions across the country by 2050. Mm -hmm. So like you said, people are still going to keep buying gas cars, but eventually, eventually the turnover as people get new cars will be so much that we can try to attack this net mm -hmm. zero emissions thing. But yeah, that first reaction of 2035 is way too late. On one hand, I get that because yeah. we're, I don't know if you just, I just retweeted another random video of the ocean on fire. Like the climate <laughs> crisis is real. It's 100% It's real. pretty real. And the fact that, you know, we, we give it another 14, 15 years of sort of business as usual, not really incentivizing buying electric cars. I mean, I think there is a tax incentive in Canada, but it's just not the same as banning gas cars. So another 15 years of gas cars to a lot of people seems like a long time. But the other half of that, 2035 is way too early, I think comes from people who are looking at the current state of electric cars yeah. and the infrastructure, importantly, uh -huh. around them. And that is a much bigger challenge. Because now that we have, you know, 
there's good electric cars out. I think you can buy today in Canada an all-wheel drive Model 3 and be pretty happy despite like a little less range in the winter. But the charging networks, all the other alt alternate, I'll guess I'll call them EVs that don't charge at Tesla superchargers, but all the other EVs that don't charge at Tesla superchargers that have to rely on the infrastructure that's being built out right now, that to that seems kind of bleak. Like if you're looking at the current state of okay, if I were to get an electric car sometime in the next few years, would that be okay? Um, so that's where a lot of people are coming from. They're like, I don't have a garage. I need to depend on where the chargers are and there's nothing anywhere near my house. I live in this part of Canada uh, and I get that too. So it's, it's sort find, of right in the, in the middle for me. I find that funny because to me, infrastructure seems like something where 15 years from now, I don't see it being any issue. I think honestly. you're probably right. I think just we're seeing such an influx in all these other people joining the, you know, the EV thing that they're going to have to figure out chargers. Just like chargers are going to be something that just blow up soon. And and the charging aspect of it, while clearly there's like technology involved in it, I don't think it's as crazy as creating a whole car at a certain price point mm -hmm. and all that. Like infrastructure has to happen and they're, you know, their their cars are going to be uh, like affected by it. So they're going to have to pump that out fast and they're already pumping it out decently well. I think Tesla and all the other manufacturers infrastructure wise will be everywhere in 15. 15 years yeah. is a long time in the tech. I'll be 45 <laughs> in 2035. Like, I hope, I really hope you're right, but it's also like, it's more than even just building chargers. There's lots of people saying like the grid can't handle that many new chargers. Like we want that's there to a be, very fair point. right? And that, that's like well, billions of dollars of building and stuff where we're like, all right, we need to make as many chargers as there are gas stations. Sure, we can pour money into building the chargers, but can we support all of the cars in Canada using all of those mm -hmm. chargers all the time? That's like underground type infrastructure. Will that be ready in 14 years? That I don't. I don't know. know about, and I guess the other thing is if this is, I mean, 2035 isn't the net zero emissions part, but 2050 is, and mm -hmm. not all EV chargers are producing zero emissions. Like you're getting mm -hmm. electricity from coal burning places at some point, right, like right. they're causing emissions. That's just some, so I think it's a great step. Like you said, I don't think it's as intense as either of those sides look, but I, I'm soup. I cannot wait. Well, I can wait to be 45, but I cannot wait to see what the landscape of EVs and just cars in general are going to be up there. Yeah. And I applaud Canada for taking a stance like this. Um, you said too, and this is something I wondered and hopefully so someone in the comments or on Discord or something can help us out here, but uh, we have term limits in the US. So I think this would be super hard for a president in the US to ever pledge or, or ban because- oh, yeah. In 15 years, they're gone. Yep. Who's going to say the next person's not just going to overwrite that? I don't know how it works in Canada. And I think the UK has made a similar pledge, banning yeah. them by 2030, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I also don't know how elections work in both of those. Will these prime ministers be there till that, that time to oversee it? Uh, yeah, I think that's all interesting. I don't think the US could do it. California, though, has, they, as a state, has done it. Right. That's, that's kind of what I'd more expect in the US. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always funny when you see these deadlines set so far out, I yeah. feel like they always move. Like whenever For you sure. hear like, oh, we're going to do this thing. Remember like 10 years ago when we heard about how many EVs they'd be making by 2020 and 2025 and they're not really doing that I remember that. that. I remember like two or three years ago when they all started doing like anywhere from 25 to 50, almost yeah. every car manufacturer has pledged. But There's I think, been a couple missed deadlines. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think those two together though might 
be what kind of puts us in the right direction though because you know i'm a car manufacturer and i promise by 2050 to have purely ev Mm -hmm. But I'm a car manufacturer and I can change that whenever I want because I don't really care. And when you're a big company, you don't seem to hit the repercussions quite as hard as some other places. But <laughs> but if now you have a potential total loss of sales in a country, I mean, Canada's the second largest country by landmass, which obviously is different population wise. Yeah. They have a lot of the um, the northern aspects of it, but like it's not a small country to be taking sales away from. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a car manufacturer now, it's like, Oh no, I'm going to lose a huge, especially those big, like I'm sure Subaru does really well up there with all wheel drive. I'm sure Toyota does great up there. I'm sure probably Ford does great up there. Yeah. Sure. So like they're all probably now like, okay, I need to take our pledge a little more seriously because we're going to lose this huge yeah. chunk of sales over there. Yeah. To me, the, the, the companies themselves pledging to move to EVs by a certain year to me feels like part PR Oh, yeah. part a little bit of internal pressure like we're gonna we want to be good at evs so let's just tell ourselves we're going to be good at evs yeah. but like you know if we miss the date like what who's gonna well, what's gonna happen nothing's mm -hmm. really gonna come down and punish us where this coming from the other side where it's like you won't be allowed to sell here by this year if you don't make an ev yeah and if you only offer a bad ev like others will swallow your sales and you'll for be sure. pretty much out of that and country then you lose all loyalty for when you do come out with the ev it's just totally like a different bad pressure. cycle yeah. totally different pressure so that is why i do appreciate this move from canada um but yeah i still do want to see you know a little more promises from the companies themselves and i, I call them promises but they're just kind of like setting vague targets for PR themselves statements. yeah exactly PR statements the stock price yeah. goes up look they said they'd make 50 evs yeah okay great well i want to see them so yeah. that's where i'm at uh but uh, i appreciate this um real quick while we were discussing all that adam looked up i mentioned new cars versus used cars before uh he found a quote that says in 2019 17 million total vehicles were sold in the u.s the rate at which secondhand vehicles increased double compared to new cars so not two times as many new cars, but the rate at which they're being sold. So that's the thing. We're seeing all these new cars that are having longer and longer lives. So like the secondary value of them becomes stays really good and the, oh, the yeah. secondary car industry is great. So like that's going to keep going. I would not doubt if there are a couple of people who are going to be like, we're going to build gas cars right up to 2035 and yeah. they are going to continue to sell at our 100%. used car dealership. So. And every every year that the gas car gets better, they last a little bit longer. I think I was reading about this too, but like the, the average lifespan of a car, meaning the average amount of time someone keeps the car they just bought mm -hmm. for a new car is longer than ever. And for a lot of tech things, it's longer than, longer than ever. Yeah. But basically, if you keep selling your gas car right up until 2030, 2035, they might keep that new gas car for eight, nine years until, so yeah, the, the whole cycle of like transitioning to sustainable energy for transportation yeah. is a long one. This is just one step to hopefully expedite that yeah. cycle, that turnover, but, but yeah. To me, that's why I think the people on the side of this is way too early, why are we doing this? It'll never work. Feels like a, not a great argument. Yeah. Uh, listen, trust me, I'm sure there are people out there that, that have maybe decent arguments but if your argument is just like i like gas cars and i enjoy gas cars better than ev i can't agree with you on that because if the world gets way too hot and none of us can live in it anymore who cares what car you're driving might be a hot take uh, might be a hot take hot hot might take. be very hot, hot a literal hot take yeah all right let's take a quick break and come back and talk ipad os 15. 
Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, let's talk about iPadOS 15. Okay. The newest version of iOS for the iPad. So, okay, I did a video about iOS 15 first. Mm -hmm. Lots of really cool features. Um, FaceTime has SharePlay built in now. There's this live text feature in the gallery where you can select text wherever you want. Lots of really cool stuff. Definitely watch that video if you haven't already. Then we also covered, we made a video showing iPad OS 15. Mm -hmm. Now this is, this is the one that has some expectations to it, right? So M1 iPad Pro came out <laughs> and it's this crazy powerful chip. Benchmarks over the 16 inch MacBook Pro, 16 gigs of RAM and a tablet. We're, we're all looking at this like, okay, the iPad has reached yet another ridiculous performance peak, and it's just still an iPad. What are they gonna do with this, right? So this is before WWDC, and I had a little montage in the video because there's a lot of us sort of talking about this, like, well, maybe iPad OS 15 is gonna be finally like what? unlocking some new features, some new power, some window management, something, something to take advantage of this yeah, new chip because yeah. the iPad's crazy overpowered, right? So it comes out, it's, a, it's announced at WWDC, developer beta, I install it, we start using it. It's basically the same thing. It's it's very similar. 
it does have some pretty cool features. Again, it has all the same iOS stuff we were talking mm -hmm. about, live text, it's got SharePlay and FaceTime, it's got the new maps, it's all shiny and with all these little tiny trees and everything, very cool. Performance is great, I've been using it. It's actually a really stable beta, the public beta now. Mm -hmm. But on iPadOS specifically, there's like three major new UI tweaks and none of them for me really changed the way I use the iPad. Like I was maybe, I got my hopes up a little too high for this. I think a lot of people did. We probably did, but they are pretty cool. The big one, number one is you can put widgets anywhere on the home screen now. Neat, I've been doing that on Android for like <laughs> 10 years now. So that's, that's great, appreciate that Apple. Uh, two, it's the same multitasking fundamentals, but they've surfaced it now with uh, these three dots that appear at the top of the screen mm -hmm. everywhere you go. It's either full screen app, split screen app, or slide over app. Yeah. And before on the iPad, I, I actually really like this because I don't really use slide over. Like I just forget about that gesture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of times if I'm thinking about doing split screen, I will remember how many gestures I have to do to do it. And I just, just won't do just, it. I'm like, never mind. I'll just go back <laughs> and forth. I'll, I'll go back and forth. It's fine. Um, but the fact that these three dots pop up everywhere now, every time you're in an app, makes me, a power user, more likely to go in and split screen because it's just always a tap away. And now real quick, if I remember, so I wasn't here last week when you guys filmed all this, so I didn't get to see most of it working, but if I remember correctly from WWDC, were they dots or it was almost like a little menu, right? That kind of yeah. showed what it's doing. So like split screen dots. was like a... Oh, you tap the dot first. You tap the dots, it expands, shows you that menu. Okay, okay. And yeah. then you'd pick one. Which I you remember go that into. menu being like, oh, yeah, people are going to use this way more because they can, they remember what it can do yeah. instead of having to know the gestures from it. Yeah, that's the, that's like the best. That is basically why I love it so okay. much. It's because you remember that you can do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So I do split screen a little more often than I used to. Um, but the last thing is Quick Notes, which is it's literally just an Apple Notes feature. I don't, I didn't use Apple Notes either very much. I use Pocket. Yeah. I use other note-taking apps. I use TickTick, uh, Google Keep. Doesn't matter. Now with Apple Notes, you can swipe up from the corner at any point in iPad OS, and it'll give you a quick note, and you can just write something down and save it, kind of like you could if you're on the lock screen in Samsung. I was gonna bring that and up. It's a Samsung Note. It's the I same thing. I actually used to use that pretty often, like between like getting ready to go to the grocery store and Lock like screen. walking through the parking lot, I would just be like, oh yeah, and just whip out the, that was the only thing I used the pen for. So good. It was really nice. It was it was always like that one thing, like, oh, I'm not a big stylist guy, but there is this one really useful feature. Yep. That was huge for me, yeah. So this feels kind of like the same thing. If you have a pen, or you could also just do this with the keyboard, yeah, you just swipe up from the corner, mm -hmm. you get a quick note, you type whatever down, you swipe it away, you just saved it to quick notes, easy. The nice little bit is it will actually talk to other things on the screen underneath it. So this is kind of like a UI thing. I think Craig's probably pretty responsible for. Probably. Um, which basically like if you're in a browser and you pop up a quick note, you can just add that link right into the quick note okay. and then write something. You can highlight something on the page. And when you come back to that quick note later and click on the link, it'll bring you back, highlight the same thing on the page. Okay. So you're, you're now a little more plugged into the UI, a little more like interactive with your notes, I guess, which I liked. Yeah, I thought you, that was good. Can you share those quick notes? Good question. Um, uh, I believe would, so. That would be huge. I'm thinking right now, like, okay, I want to share this recipe with something. I found it on this blog or whatever. And for those of you who, who look up recipes online, oh, I see. it is like a, you have to read a novel about why they love this <laughs> recipe so much. And then you get to the ingredients and then you get to how to make it. And right. and if you like cooking a lot, you generally take a, res a base recipe and you make changes to it. So I would love to link, highlight past the 
sob story that they made on why they enjoy <laughs> making macaroni and cheese. And I would just like to share it with somebody with a couple notes. I put like, you know, maybe this was too much milk. Maybe this wasn't enough cheese. I like using this type of pasta and send yeah. that whole note to somebody. That would be amazing that i believe you, you can like share that. individual notes okay yes. so that including that, all the like highlights and everything that part i want i'm gonna double check that i think okay. that'd be really cool that'd be really awesome kind of the same way how if you took a screenshot on a samsung phone and immediately annotated the screenshot you could send that annotated screenshot to somebody uh -huh. that was cool because you had the stylus and you could just start drawing on stuff and send that drawing with your circles and your notes um with these quick links and these plugins and hotkeys i don't know if all of that will translate but i know it's useful even for yourself yeah, yeah. for saving things oh yeah i would still love it yeah so i you know it's not the revolutionary changes the way i use the ipad type software update maybe some of us were getting our hopes up for but i don't want to let my expectations be the thief of my joy yeah. i want i want to just enjoy ipad os for what it is and for the couple people like me who are maybe teetering on on just getting rid of the macbook entirely I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to push you over the edge. There's nothing uh, like extra here for the file system or for window management that's going to really make you go, okay, now I can get rid of the MacBook. Now I don't have to have two things in my backpack. Um, so the iPad maintains its position as a secondary computer to me, and that's fine. I don't really mind that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of people who are waiting for like maybe something a little more that we didn't quite get. Here's the, here's the other side of that, okay. just to say, you know, maybe, I don't know if this is devil's advocate, but this software that I'm reviewing now on a $1,000 iPad Pro with an M1 chip that I was hoping for some extra power features for, this iPad OS is going to be on every iPad, right? I think mm -hmm. we, we mentioned this on an earlier episode, but like the $329 iPad yeah, for education, awesome. like the iPad Airs, every single other one of these iPads is going to have the three dots, the quick notes, all these better features from iPad OS and iOS 15, and they all just got that much better. Yeah. So sure. while the thousand dollar iPad with M1 disappointingly doesn't get pushed over the edge of cannibalizing MacBook sales, I, I can't say that doesn't shock me because yeah. all the other iPods iPads get better too, and that's just kind of where they live in between iPhones and MacBooks. It sounds like I'm just conceding the iPad being a well, not great. I, I thing. wanted to ask that question. Do you think there ever comes a point? Which is funny because they made all the ads like, "What is a computer?" But are yeah. they ever going to over overtake the MacBook? I think as long or like even be uh even be at the point where like people are choosing between those two and like it is doing enough to kind of be at the MacBook level because so I've heard arguments on both sides. I yes, there are definitely people now that are choosing between the two. Maybe yes. between a MacBook Air and an iPad Pro with okay. a keyboard case or whatever. And I think it just it really is very dependent on workflow. This sounds like a cop out answer, but like for a lot of people the iPad will do everything you want it to do. I'm saying iPad OS is not the reason it now does everything you want it to do. It already did everything you wanted it to do, okay. just a little more easily. Now. Okay, let me rephrase the question a little bit. Okay. If you were, because like I can see a lot of people doing that who maybe haven't grown up on laptops as long. Do you think there is anyone who has a MacBook or MacBook Pro that is going to be like, my next device is strictly iPad? Does that make that a little tougher? Yes. Because of all the things you are used to on that. I think one, I was watching Linus, I believe, and he was kind of making this argument that I he doesn't think it will ever quite do that. And one of those is, is like just file transfers and stuff like that is so much different. And, and I couldn't believe it, but he says, if I transfer a file, unless I sit there and watch the thing tick the whole time, yeah. I have to go like 
do something, do something, and then go back. I never get any confirmation that it finished filing. And so I have to go yeah. check myself. And that just yeah. like- You wait for it to appear. Yeah. Yeah. That's the type of thing. So I think there are a lot of things like that that Apple could do to make the computer user be more comfortable only using an iPad. But in general, and I don't, I kind of want to be wrong here, but mm -hmm. I think as long as Apple sells a computer, yep. their what's a computer thing is really just advertising. They're not yeah. going to overlap well, the computers they also sell. Yeah, because they're cannibalizing their own sales in that yeah. sense. So why would they? It's, yeah, they didn't get to be a $2 trillion company by, oops, we're not that good at business. We accidentally cannibalized our own sales. <laughs> yeah, like They're pretty good at this stuff. I mean, they did kind of, maybe this isn't the best example, but they did kind of do it with iPod. How so with Phones, the iPhone? Yeah, like when's remember even that like random iPod they threw okay. out like two years ago was like we bought it and we're instantly like why on earth would anybody buy this? I, I mean, it I, is kind of different. I think I think it got cannibalized by the times we live in, like the fact that, that the that iPhone the has an has an iPod built into it. Mm -hmm. It completely one hundred percent overlapped, and people would buy the iPod if they just wanted a cheaper version and didn't need the phone features. Where like if people are choosing between an iPad and a computer, it's not so simple where you're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. do I want the keyboard or not? Like it's it's a very software workflow problem that you just have to commit to. Uh, but yeah, I think the iPad, the iPod was a victim of, of the times. Do you think there's a specific accessory, the iPad, where if they like perfectly nailed it could be that final leap over? And like, let's imagine this would be the leap where Apple would basically kind of like decide to stop selling MacBooks and so, sell only iPads. I feel like it's keyboard. Yeah, for me, I was going to say- Keyboard if they and like made, the balance of it. If they made a keyboard that really balanced as well as a MacBook does, mm -hmm. which is really hard because the iPad weighs a lot more than the screen of this laptop. Yep, exactly. But if they could pull that off, if they made like some sort of a surface like magnet prong thing and now you have like a four pound laptop, but it's weighted perfectly- I, at that point, I could stop using my MacBook. Okay. But I- And it would need Final Cut. I, yeah, and uh, Pro Apps. I don't, yeah, I don't personally, apps, yeah. I don't personally edit on the laptop, but I would love to see Pro Apps okay. on the iPad Pro. Um, <laughs> that being said, yeah, I'm, I don't see that happening anytime I don't soon. either because it would sacrifice portability. So it would have to be some crazy invention in the future that somehow pulls that off with still making- yeah, even third-party companies aren't making that. It's like such an engineering... I think the iPad weighs 1.6 pounds, the iPad Pro. And so if you want it to weight in a way where you, it can just sit like a normal laptop, yep. the base has to weigh at least 1.6 pounds, which it does, by the way. The iPad, I think, is 1.5, and the, the base of yeah, the Magic Keyboard is 1.6, mm -hmm. and it's already like kind of teetering, and yep. I put it on my lap, and it just falls right over. I'd need something to be like 2.5 pounds. Now you're talking like twice the weight of an actual MacBook for what, a touchscreen? For iOS? Like for it is weird. No, yeah, I, I can't imagine this, what it looks like, and I'm excited to see if it ever happens, what that like new new technology is that allows it to, to yeah. reach that level. Maybe one day the iPad Pro is like super thin and light. I, I think that's what it would have to be. The, the iPad basically has to be as light as a computer screen, a laptop screen. Wow. That would be would have to be where it pretty gets pretty sick. That's maybe by twenty thirty. New Ben Gate right there, <laughs> easy. Yeah, that's the that's the obvious <laughs> yep. downside of that. Zach, come on, man. Um, 
All right. Well, we also, I got one more thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Rivian's uh, R1T. There was a video uh, tweeted by the CEO, RJ, uh, which is just a, just a video of him, like, taking a kitchen out the side of the, the truck. No big deal. Small, small detail. Let's, uh, um, do you want to try and describe that a little better for audio yeah, listeners? Because yeah. just pulling a kitchen sink out of a That is a great side. point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for audio, audio only listeners, uh, picture a pickup truck. And if you've seen an R1T, you might actually know about the, I think it's called the gear tunnel or something is like that. that? Is? Yeah, yeah which lives right behind the back seats and right in front of the bed. So it's in that weird area where it's just usually, I guess, gas tanks. Um, and inside of that, we've seen videos of people putting coolers and like surfboards and golf clubs and things that can fit like in yeah. that column, which it's is really pretty neat. cool. In this video, they pull out what's basically a module that fully fills the space they set it up, it's got a kickstand, and they open that module, and it's like a sink, a stovetop, like a cutting board. It's just this whole yeah. camping kitchen thing. Mm-hmm. And I was watching that, I was like, okay, first of all, very cool. Not that many people are going to buy it, but I love, it's going to be great for people who do want that. Yeah. And this is a great example to me of an EV just doing something that gas cars can't. Just do something. Something to get people to go, oh, that's why I'd get an electric car yeah. over a gas car is because I literally can't, I don't have room for that in my car. If you put it in the trunk, maybe, but like there's all kinds of weird extra spaces you get from going electric. There's no gas tank. There's no transmission. There's no drive shaft in the middle of a the car. There's all the mm-hmm. stuff that gets opened up. Uh, and this is just a cool thing to put there, which is yeah. what I enjoy. I mean, I think the tunnel in general is really cool, and that's the best way to describe it. I, I feel like it kind of looks like the Vive logo, almost like a rounded triangle. Yeah. Um, and just imagine that, yeah, under your seat, but you open it from the outsides and you can look straight through it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they have this like whole kitchen thing that it slides out and then pops forward. Now, to me, this is the biggest design flaw because the way it pops up and your space is, if you're looking at the truck, it pops out towards the passenger side door where it then blocks the passenger side door completely so you can't open the door. So like if you have something in there, you either have to go through the front door and through the back. So I feel like if it just popped out towards the trunk, it would totally eliminate Mm -hmm. that issue. Um, That feels minor, like but like a pretty obvious yeah just get out the other side get out the other door yeah but but i do agree it feels like although it feels kind of gimmicky and i do think a lot of people who are buying a car specifically because they want to take a camping lot probably have a bunch of camping gear already that they would probably rather just store under there but i bet space i wonder if there's any sort of like module plug-in happening where you can use battery power to like power the stove and like there's other things that this it's, module does to talk to the truck. It's got to be, cool. be battery powered because it, it looked like an electric range. Right. So it's got to be running off of that. It's not so, like a propane hookup. So imagine like you don't need a generator and a propane hookup anymore. You just yeah. have the truck and the truck well, is the battery power for the stove and like your whatever yeah. other plugins you have. I think that's neat. I'd rather yeah. cook over a campfire if I'm camping. That's well, usually the point. But yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> glamping no, though. Glamping. glamping. It's glamping. Yeah. I mean... I get it. I think it's cool. Um, I I think it's kind of gimmicky, but at the same time, I think these gimmicks are like the best PR moves ever because that video is going to get shared everywhere and it's going to get people thinking about EVs. And I, I think it. it's really fun. I shared sure. it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm I'm looking forward to more of these things. You know, I saw Cybertruck, and one of the things Cybertruck did, obviously, besides the Cyber Quad in the back, which yeah. is technically another thing that you can do. It'll be an electric quad that plugs into the truck's battery. Uh-huh. Cool, but also, there is a lot of uh, high-powered plugs in the back. F-150 Lightning did this. Mm-hmm. 
the the huge front trunk in the F one fifty Lightning was another thing where oh, like yeah. I have a pickup truck. I don't really have like a small trunk of sealed storage. Yep. That's the thing I, I heard from a lot of pickup truck drivers in the comments of like, I don't have to buy like a cover for my back, my, my tailgate if I just have rocks and stuff in there, but I also want to have like two backpacks and, and a laptop and stuff. Just put it in the front trunk. That's, and people in the back seat. Have if you've seen yeah. a lot of pickup drivers, their back seat is just storage full, pretty full much. Stuff. So, exactly. Yeah. So this that that was cool to see. Cybertruck also had a solar panel that rolled I'm not even sure if this is really going to happen but it rolled out of the back is of the truck the and covered it thing? no 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 oh, okay, that good. that was a whole separate module but this was just like the cover for the for the cyber truck uh-huh. that I think Jay Leno like stood on or Franz maybe stood on top of I think Elon did this he just walked up on top and was like see it's strong it can hold me but that was solar panels uh-huh. and that would allegedly give you maybe a little extra juice or be able to charge some stuff. I could see stuff. that as something that's charging the accessories you're using on sure. it. Like that feels yeah. cool, I guess. I don't know how you'd roll. Uh, whatever. But the whole point is this is a good one. This is a good example of yeah. a thing that an electric car can do that a gas car straight up can't that gives people a real reason to want one. Mm-hmm. So whether it's this, whether it's instant torque or a faster to 60 or a front trunk or, or not killing the earth. Or or not killing earth. That works too. Or glamping. Whatever or it is you glamp. want to do. This, this More is, important. I like to see stuff like this. So shout out to them. Hopefully we can get an R1T here someday and maybe an autofocus episode. That'd I be, would love that. That'd be pretty fun. That would be sick. Then we, we have to go glamping. We have to. Don't just, make promises you can't keep, Marcus, because I would love that video. It's part of the experience. We'll see. You can we'll camp see. in that. I'll camp at a tent. We'll see who's more comfortable and who <laughs> we'll can see. cook more. We have to catch all our own stuff, though. Oh, I'm that's just a, kidding. That is a wrench. That. that is a I'm big not, wrench. That's not glamping. All right. Well, we'll end it there. Thanks for uh, <laughs> tuning in to the Waveform Podcast this week. We'll be back next week, of course. Happy July. And uh, there's a bunch more tech coming out. So we'll, of course, have our thoughts and our conversations. Catch you guys over on Twitter. Subscribe if you haven't already on the YouTube channel. See you in the next one. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Studio 71 and our intro outro music was created by Vane Silver.